Okay, guys, welcome. This is a presentation I've been very excited about for Music and Sky. Uh, as a fan of the Ringing Cedars books myself, um, and I'm a recent reader, just two years in, not even that, a year in reading the books. I'm just getting on book six now. Nice, bro. Um, and the, what Anastasia has brought to the world is really the gnosis of a sort of syncretism of all the great traditions, grounded in nature and grounded in really the way forward of action towards, as she says, overcoming the technocracy. And she was talking about this in the 90s originally, about the technocracy that was already there. And so what's so exciting for me is we have Gabriel and Wes here from the Anastasia Foundation who are bringing this wisdom and this plan of action to the West. And I can't think of a better time right now considering what's going on in the world. So I don't want to uh, solve any more. Let's get going. So uh, Gabriel uh, is going to be doing a presentation on Kin's Domains and the New Civilization. Thank you. Let's give it up for Mike and the entire team here. Uh, We'd like to gift you this 400-year-old cedar pendant from no Siberian. Way. Siberian cedar pendant, buddy. Yeah. This guy is an angel. So, yeah, uh, my name is Gabriel. I'm glad to be here. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. This is an incredible thing that's happening here. And I want to speak with you about, well, a movement that's taking over the world, a consciousness that is incredibly uplifting, a, uh, a way of life that is truly in tune with the way that our Creator wanted us to live. And so, the Ringing Cedars of Russia, Kin's Domains, and the New Civilization. What is all this stuff? I'm going to explain it to you. Can I do my first slide? So, what is the Ringing Cedars of Russia book series about? These are the uh, books that most people are familiar with. There's a few editions of them. We're going to actually be republishing them in English. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it feels so good to get that kind of reception from people, man. Um, we're going to be republishing them in, in English. I'm working with Vladimir on it. These are the old ones. Still good. Anyway, uh, let's continue. So, about the books. This is Anastasia. Um, they're written by Vladimir Magri. He was an entrepreneur in the 90s in Russia, and he went out in 1994 on a trip. Uh, he was doing trading up and down the Ob River in Siberia. Very remote, nobody lives there. And he basically um, met these Siberian elders who told him about the existence of these ringing cedar trees on one of his trade stops. And they said the ringing cedars are Siberian cedars that have reached their age of maturity. They're like 550 years old. And at that point, they have accumulated so much energy from the stars and the sun and the moon and everything that they begin to ring like an electrical power line sound. And he was asked, to cut down this ringing cedar that they found one in like many centuries and to distribute it to people for the beneficial energy it would give them. And so he wasn't able to, but he decided to come back later to investigate it. And he comes back uh, another time and he meets the elder's granddaughter, Anastasia, and he spends a few days with her in the taiga and she begins to tell him about everything. So her family line 
has lived separately from the rest of humanity in harmony with God, preserving all the knowledge of mankind's, what she calls, pristine origins since the beginning of time. And uh, I'll tell you more about her in a minute, but she's lived completely separately from the rest of humanity since the beginning. And so there's a lot you would imagine um, that she can retain and can talk about. So she talks about everything with Vladimir. She talks about uh, the purpose of mankind. Why are we here? Man's relationship with God, man's true relationship with nature, uh, raising children in the image of God, having divine children, happy families, preserving love and families forever so families don't fall apart. These are beautiful things that she talks about. And so, and she also talks about king's domains, which I'm going to get into. Next slide, please. So Anastasia, um, she lives in the forest completely alone. She has no house, barely wears any clothes. Um, she's a descendant of what she calls the Vedrus culture, which is the pristine culture of, of man, essentially. And um, basically, this is all quotes from Vladimir. And she's a part of the natural surroundings there. She didn't go off into the forest for some kind of retreat. She's been there forever. And her family have been there for thousands of years, millennia, untold amount of time. And the main thing about her is that she has all kinds of abilities that have been preserved in her that were, you know, there when God created man, right? But the main thing is that she has preserved the experiences and emotions of members of her extended family, starting with the creation of the very first human in her genetic memory, and she's able to call them up at will. So she can speak about the past, the present, the future, and um, all these things very clearly. And she can speak about the first day of creation and when Adam was there and then when Eve was created and all these things. And so she tells Vladimir quite a lot of things. And uh, we can, next slide here. So she tells him his first time he's there with her in the taiga. He, he tell, she tells him, uh, in the book you're going to write, there will be unobtrusive combinations, formulations made up of letters, and they will arouse in the majority of people good and radiant feelings, capable of overcoming ailments of body and soul, and will facilitate the birth of a new awareness inherent in the people of the future. She says it's not mysticism. So she says that she picks these particular combinations of words that will resonate in people's souls and it will help them, it will heal them, it will um, inspire them, give them all this knowledge and they will read between the lines and pick up a lot of things on their own. And that's the experience of a lot of people. So there's probably some people in here who've read the books who would probably agree that they have felt um, what she's describing here. Next slide, please. Oh, and by the way, that's how the books became so popular is because they've sold more than 30 million copies in like almost 30 languages since the 90s and in Russia it started with no advertising at all. Not a single dollar spent on advertising even to this day. And uh, tens of millions of copies you know, sold over there. And it was all just because of how people felt when they read these books, it just lights their hearts on fire. And I highly suggest, I'm very biased, you should probably go read the books. Um, it will probably be very good for your heart and your soul. And so Vladimir fulfills his promise to Anastasia. She asks him to write the books describing their experiences to help create this new world. And so he goes out back into Russia and he um, begins to write about it. And so she, again, she has all these kinds of abilities. She can teleport, she can read mind, she can do everything you would imagine. And also he demonst she demonstrates the responsiveness to the nature around her in her family space. Like, nature is so deeply in tune with every rhythm of her body. If her heartbeat changes, the 
pitch of the birds changes, you know, and the or the leaves begin to produce more oxygen because they're reacting to her. It's incredible. So a little thing that she says here is just a quote from book one. Vladimir asks her, what do you think awaits our civilization? And she says, in the long term, a realization of the futility of the technocratic path of development and a movement back to our pristine origins. And she taught pristine origins, she means the purity of how we were created in the beginning. You know, uh, the great wisdom of what God gave us from the first moment of creation, right? So, um, next slide, please. So, the kin's domain. There's so many things I could say about the subject matter of the books, but if I had to say if there's one main idea, this would probably be it. And so, right here you see an artistic representation, and here you see a real drone photograph from a community in Russia. But basically, this is the future of the world here. This is uh, a kin's domain is where, you know, the domain of your kin, the space of your kin, your family, past, present, and future, saying, I'm going to settle my family in this piece of land, pass down this land to them forever. Because the main thing is that we are separated from the land. We don't have a piece of land to call our own. Most of us never have. You know, God, God forbid, I hope you all do, right? And we were made to be in nature, right? Like God created us in the garden, yet we have no land. And so what is this um, kin's domain is that you take two and a half acres of land and you create a living paradise garden home for yourself, your current children or your future children and you pass that on to them in perpetuity. And so why two and a half acres? That's another good question that a lot of people have is you have the opportunity to directly interact with everything growing there. And the point isn't just to be off the grid and homesteading. That's really basic. The main point is the spiritual connection you have with the land. And through that connection you have with the land, you have a connection with the creator. You have a connection with God. Because he has materialized himself in the universe that we see. And interacting with his creations and creating beauty like this is how you begin to understand them and have that close relationship with God, right? And so... Um, you didn't say how many people live there? Is that one family? I will, yeah, so each two and a half acres is one family. And so um, each of these little squares here is a individual kin's domain. This is what's called a kin's domain settlement in Russia. This isn't even the whole thing. This isn't even like 1% of it. The largest ones have 350, 400 families on them, each with two and a half acres. There's more than a thousand of them in Russia alone. It's a giant movement. People don't know about it. It was happening um, without any government help. Um, everything just by the citizens. Most of them quite poor, getting money on their own. One province, or you know, it's called an oblast. It's a state in Russia. Uh, Belgorod passed a law where they're giving out two and a half acres to everyone uh, forever, no condition. Um, so we had friends who got 150 acres or more starting communities there. So this is just one, and this is a pretty developed one. So what I'm telling you is not theory, it's real. This is happening right now. I wake up every day the happiest man in the world because I see the new civilization being built. So let's uh, go to the next slide, please. So what is the Kins Domain? This is a beautiful permaculture design. I wish my buddy Jim Gale was here to appreciate this. Um, basically, it's a, practically speaking, it is a, you have a multicolored hedge, a living fence. You kind of mark your space. Nothing can get in here. 
50 to 75% of it is a forest variety of trees, generally a food forest. You want it to be productive. You can have all kinds of trees there, nuts, orchard trees, whatever. Um, you know, you have uh, mm, bushes so that animals can't like trample everything. You have beehives, you have a pond, you build your house, you have all of these different things. Um, but you have a lot of, Anastasia also recommends uh, building like living structures, using trees to make a gazebo, um, making a summer sleeping area outside out of trees, um, sleeping places for children outdoors, right? These are cool ideas. Um, outdoors with trees, a living room made with living trees, very cool. And so Vladimir tells her, it won't be a forest, but it'll be a palace. And she responds, only the palace will be a living entity and continue to grow in perpetuity. This is how the creator himself thought up the whole balance of things. Everything around you is charged with the task of cherishing and delighting you and your children, cherishing and feeding them. So we're talking about the domain of your kin that is designed to just do nothing but cherish you and take care of you forever. Everything growing there is for the enjoyment of you and your family. It's a beautiful thing. The home is not just the house. The home is this entire thing. You see what I'm saying? It's not just confined to a, to a little house. It's this entire piece of land. Uh, let's continue. So, the Kins Domain Settlements. Um, a, a Kins Domain Settlement, it's a large self-governing community consisting of many individual domains. Um, the largest ones in Russia are 300 plus families, each with two and a half acres. This is a map just showing Russia and all these other countries, all these settlements. This is not even close to complete. Um, and yeah, there's hundreds of settlements in all kinds of countries. It's beginning to pick up here in the United States and in English-speaking countries. There have been a few. Um, they've come and gone for various reasons, financial or political, I mean, not political, personal, people squabbling with each other. Um, but now a whole bunch of new ones are starting to emerge. So it's really exciting. Um, in Europe, there's a lot more as well. So that's what we're doing here, is trying to organize all the people who've read these books and want to live this way. That's what my foundation is doing. Um, we can continue. All right, we're getting into the meat and potatoes, man. Uh, Kin's Domain Spirituality. By the way, this is a husband and wife in Russia on their space that they've created. You can see that beautiful garden just living happily there. Um, so giving a material embodiment to your love and spirituality. So here's an interesting thing. We talk a lot about spirituality as a society, and we say we're spiritual, right? But how do we live? How have we changed the way we live? Like, what are we doing day to day? Um, and the interesting thing is that nothing, you know, from Anastasia's point of view, is that nothing is more pleasing to God than we, when we are creating a space like this, right? Because this is basically uh, what God did for us when in the beginning he thought of the earth and he created the trees and the water and the birds and the animals and everything, filled this earth with beauty, created this entire universe. And then after all that, he was like, I'm going to create my son, I'm going to create man and my daughter, woman, right? And put them in this garden for them to enjoy, enjoy eternally, right? And so basically, we can take this beauty that we feel within ourselves and manifest it on the land. The land is a canvas, and how perfect or imperfect what we create is is a, is a result of our consciousness. Some people in, in Russia, because I've gone there, will take two and a half acres and just put like 
a three-story house that takes up like most of the land and a bunch of buildings and things. Other people will have smaller houses and it's just full of gardens. And it all is dependent on the person. What are they going to create? Right? So um, let me get myself bearing with some bearings here. Um, a, a great quote that I think completely encompasses this from the series. Uh, Vladimir says, let each one of us take a small plot of his land, pull his whole mind and whole spirituality together, and create a very small but concrete paradise. He will transform his little piece of land on our large planet into a flourishing garden, giving a material embodiment to his spirituality, following God's example. If millions of people do this, and a whole lot of countries, then the whole earth will become a flourishing garden. Yeah. Amen. A father and mother who are actually creating a space of love for their children are more spiritual than the most celebrated wise men who only talk about spirituality. Let the spirit of each man spring up from the ground as a beautiful flower, a tree with fragrant fruit, and let this take place on every single hectare of our planet. And I think that this describes it so perfectly. Um, this is what all of us should have a piece of land to call our home. All of us should have a space that nourishes us and cherishes us. All of our children should grow up in a, in a garden that was planted for them. Their parents thought about them and said, I want them to grow up in this. We all would want to be born in a space like that. We were all born in hospitals. I was a C-section. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, we don't want to be born the way we've been born, right? We would love to be born at home by a father and mother like that living in a place like this. And so that's what we're trying to do. Next slide, please. So Anastasia talks about all kinds of things. She talks about God's purpose for man. By the way, am I going too fast? Are we good? I just want a little bit of feedback. OK, cool. So she talks about God's purpose for man. By the way, this is a Russian artist, incredible art that he does here. Um, she says in the fourth book that God, God's purpose for man is conjoint creation and joy for all from its contemplation. And so what does that mean, conjoint creation? To create along with God, right? Using the creations of God. God gave us all these wonderful, you know, things that you can see it as paint, right? The nature around us, the trees and everything. We can shape all this into further perfection than what has previously existed, right? And we can create things that create more beauty and joy for everyone when they contemplate it. You go to a beautiful garden and you are now joyful. Right? Or um, the other thing is that he, he's, this is a dialogue between uh, God and the entities of the universe when the universe is being created. She talks about the creation story. It's very interesting. And um, he, he answers, birth would give joy to everyone in the universe, right? Like, who doesn't love a happy baby, right? Like, it's just obvious, right? Um, so he says, my son shall bring joy to all living on the earth. He is creation. He is birth. He is all of all. He will create a new creation and will transform into infinity his ever-repeating generation. And basically, he will endow everything with the joy of life. We've been given a tremendous power as children of the Creator to create beauty or to create destruction. And we only have two paths, and we're only walking through, you know, we have to choose. The technocratic path of development which keeps devouring our world and our children in this system that they go through, that destroys them, and us and everything around it, or we walk 
in the garden with God hand in hand, creating beauty and giving life to everything. And that's his purpose for us, is to create along with him and to create things that give joy to everyone. So next slide, please. I feel like these things are so deep and I'm like rushing through it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot, of, I got a lot to talk about. Are there gonna be questions and answers at the end or is it you're gonna not have enough time? If I have time, I would love to. So you I'm just- also talk to us after the presentation. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be here. So I, I just really wanna get through everything. So another thing that Anastasia talks about is um, perfecting the dwelling land. And so what is this? She says, these are the most important words of all the divine programs. With their help, it's possible to determine the degree to which both an individual person and mankind as a whole are necessary for the universe. With their help, it's possible to determine the usefulness or uselessness of the earthly laws conceived by people. Perfecting the dwelling land means to perfect yourself. So to take a piece of land around you and to take it from something desolate into something filled with life, you have perfected the dwelling land. Or to take something that is not really having any order or beauty intentionally created there, like it's just an empty field and planting a garden, you have created more perfection. And in theory, you can do that infinitely. And that creates a feedback loop between what you're creating and what you're getting from it. You're, you're becoming more perfect yourself the more you create perfection around you. Does this make sense to you guys? Yeah? Right? And so here's a beautiful little example. It's like this kid is helping his mom plant a, a tree in Russia, and they're perfecting the dwelling land. God smiles at those kinds of things, right? And so perfecting the dwelling land means give birth to and raise children who are more perfected than you yourself. Each generation should be more perfected than the previous. For this to come about, the generation that comes before should present the following generation with a more perfected dwelling land. And that's what you're doing with the kin's domain, is you create this space and you say, my children, my descendants, you guys take this and perfect it further and further and further and further and just keep doing that. Because why else are we here, right? Like God put us in the garden to just enjoy it forever and to keep creating perfection. Our life is supposed to be stressful or difficult or all these horrible things we have to suffer through. It's ridiculous. So let's continue here. All right, I love this one. The space of love, preserving love in families. So Anastasia talks about why love disappears from families. Why do families fall apart? Why do people love each other initially and then it all goes away and it ends in all these horrible things, it's sad. So you have to create the conditions which will invite the energy of love to abide forever with you. The living conditions that we live in as a society in these apartments and all these noisy places separated from nature or all these things, it, love doesn't want to come there. Love doesn't like the energy of death and destruction and decay. Love wants to be around life and growth. And so what you do with the kin's domain is you have, you know, uh, if you're a man, you have your wife, if you're a woman, you have your husband. You take this love that you feel for each other in your hearts and you say, we're gonna give a material embodiment to this. We're gonna take this inspired feeling that we have and go build something. We're gonna plant these trees and each tree is going to reflect this energy of love that we have between us. And so what happens is you give a material form to this intangible thing and that energy becomes preserved and reflected back at you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. 
it gets preserved and reflected back at you. And so the love that you have continues to grow in perpetuity because the trees are gonna grow, it's gonna develop, and it's gonna keep growing each day. We live in a society where love, unfortunately, doesn't grow each day for most people, right? It kind of fades each day, it's kind of sad. And so this is very practical because we're talking about the stability of the nation, happy families in love with each other, right? Like it, each, you know, the nation is comprised of families, right? So let's continue. But that's, that, that was that couple from earlier. Uh, that was their beautiful space that they created. I think this is the gate for it. They like hand carve that. And so, and the stage is talking about love. She says, love does not tease anyone and it does not play games. It tries to stay with everyone forever. But, but man chooses his own way of life. And this way of life frightens the energy of love. Love cannot give inspiration to annihilation. It is unseemly for the offspring of love to live in torment when he and she are beginning to build a new life together, when they're endeavoring to establish a home in an apartment resembling a vault of lifeless stone. And I love this next part. She says, when each has their own work interests in their own environment, when there's no common vision of the future, no conjugal aspirations, when their bodies are attracted by mere fleshly alleviation, only to hand over their child to the cruel ways of a world devoid of clean water, a world filled with bandits, wars, and disease. It is from this that the energy of love flees, right? Love can't exist in these conditions. And so when we're talking about the king's domains and the settlements, you see the way that these people are living. You see, um, you know, 300 families, each with their own garden and all these things. And basically, uh, that's a whole new culture where love and these good things can thrive. So uh, next slide, please. So one more point about this. Um, Anastasia is telling Vladimir, she says, imagine that he and she will begin in their love to implement this design that you and I are outlining, the kin's domain. They will plant family trees and herbs in the ground together with an orchard. And how happy they will be in the spring when their co-creations burst forth into bloom. Love will eternally dwell between them in their hearts all around and each will see the other in a spring flower, rem remembering how they planted a flowering tree together. And the taste of raspberries will remind them of the taste of love, since in the autumn, he and she, in love for each other, touched the twig of a raspberry bush. Once they start working on the orchard, the energy of love will multiply itself and never forsake either of them. After all, their way of life will help them both live their lives in love and convey the space of love to their children in continuation and help them raise their children together with God and his image and likeness. So we're talking about right preserving this feeling forever. So when man creates a kin's domain, he becomes as God because he's doing the same thing that God did when he created us that I talked about earlier, where a, a man and a, I keep saying he, right? Like it's not gender exclusive. I think we all got that here. Um, we're talking man, right? It's all of us mankind. So um, in perfecting the dwelling land, which is under his care, man creates paradise on earth, becoming like God and fulfilling the purpose for which he was created. Because again, we are repeating the actions that God took when he made us and he made the world. We are envisioning a design in our mind we are giving embodiment to it, and then we're having children there. That's what God did. He created the universe. He created the trees and everything, and then he put us here and said, steward it, take care of it, be fruitful and multiply. 
right? Live your life happily. Um, so we become like God and we do things that are very pleasing to him, right? And so, um, yeah, I pretty much described all this. Next slide, please. All right, and I put this slide in here. I've given this presentation before, but I put this last one in here just for you guys because you guys are such a really open and receptive crowd full of really intelligent and tuned in people. And I wanted to talk about what Anastasia had to say about immortality. We're all afraid of death to some degree or another. Our culture is afraid of death, right? Why? Because we fear that we will have no continuation. We fear the black abyss which may await us, right? Or who knows what, what goes, but many people fear death and what's going to happen. And so Anastasia tells us that God created man immortal. To witness this, only three conditions are required to be observed. First, create a living space which will attract man to itself and to which man has aspired. That's your kin's domain, the living space. Second, there should be somewhere on the earth at least one person who thinks of you with kindness and love because those thoughts will draw you back, draw your soul back. And third, never even admit the thought that you can be overtaken by death. And this is extremely important. Even if you su suggest to someone who's simply falling asleep that he's dying and he believes it, then he will die in obedience to his thought. But even if an elderly man in earth terms wears out his body and is lying at death's door, but does not think about death, but he pictures his life in the living space that he's been creating, he will be born anew in that space. And such is the law of the universe. The universe will not stand by and allow a life-creating thought to die. And so this answers something that religions or people have been struggling with forever. It's how do we get off this wheel of suffering, as, as they say, right? You, do you stop reincarnating? That's not really practical for most people. No one is going to turn into the Buddha in this lifetime, right? It's, it takes an incredible amount of work to do something like that. It's not practical. How do you free yourself eternally from this wheel of suffering? Well, you can reincarnate in your kin's domain forever. You can keep coming back to this beautiful place in your family, in love, in a beautiful space, and be born there again. This is, you know, we all know that reincarnation is real. We're not debating that here. The question is, how are we reincarnating, right? Where are we reincarnating into? Are we reincarnating into like 5G, you know, weaponized mass surveillance Earth? Like, is that where we're going? Or are we going to the garden with families who are living like this? It's real, this is real stuff. And I wanted to share this with you guys because I think that knowing how you will come back gives peace and you don't have that fear anymore. If you start setting up this land and you have your family here or whatever, you can come back there, right? So I hope you guys are feeling me on this. I hope this isn't too far out. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm Russian a bit. Um, I'm, yeah, that's like bad, bad diction or whatever. I'm rushing. Um, oh, by the way, I wanted to say thank you to my darling wife who will probably be watching this. She's Russian. She's amazing. Um, she helps me tremendously. I would not be here with her, without her. Um, so, yeah. Next slide, please. Um, and immortality. Anastasia continues. She, she says, you have a concept in your world known as natural selection. Even now, God's programming is selecting the best of everything for re-embodiment. Before, however, there was not much to choose from, you know? 
Um, now it's showing a multifold increase. Whoever builds a domain with love will be reincarnated again and again. Whatever interferes with them will disappear from the earth forever, giving way to the birth of a new civilization. And I wanted to say that this new civilization is happening, it's being built every day. There's people in this room who I work with, we're doing this all the time. Uh, where's Alex at? Alex right here. I mean, how many other readers are in this room? There's uh, at least 700,000 copies of the books were sold in English, probably more than a million. You do the used book market. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people have read it in English. When I republish them, it's going to be a lot more because um, we're going to do a way better job this time. And we are creating the community organizing infrastructure for all of this. Before, the readers of these books were all separated. They couldn't communicate easily with each other. But what our foundation is doing is we're creating the threads for people to meet each other, build these communities, and find your soulmate. Find the woman or the man that you love and you want to make this space with. Right? Because yeah. what, what is life about, you know? I'm not afraid to say that stuff. Because it's the most practical thing we could be talking about. Love is important. Finding the person you want to stay with forever is important. Creating a space like this is important. Happy children growing up in nature is important. Um, man, it's like, actually, I had a bunch of pictures I wanted to show you guys, if you don't mind. Um, man, I hope I should have brought them up earlier. But um, let's just say, this is, this is the last slide, and I'm going to show you some pictures of real kin's domains and people out there living this happy life because the imagery is way more impactful than me just telling you. And so you can join the movement. This is the Anastasia Foundation. Um, you can join our community, visit Anastasia.Foundation, meet other readers. We've created the largest English-speaking community in the world of these readers, and it's literally only just the beginning. Not literally, but figuratively. Um, we have a lot of growth to do, and it's, and it's happening. Uh, I've been working with Vladimir to get the books published. He sent me this really nice message. He said, I intuitively feel that you could create a large and powerful community in the English-speaking countries. It could present the world with a new paradigm for overcoming the crisis, like a world crisis. And he says, the correctness of my assumptions has been proven in practice. In all the countries where I've ever spoken to readers, they express their desire to create and be friends. Uh, he says he's grateful to me or whatever. But this community of people are building the new civilization every day. It's happening. Maybe now you know about it, whereas you didn't before. But I'd invite you, go read the books, come find what we're doing. It's just the beginning of all this stuff. I'll show you the pictures now, but that's all I have to say. How can we find you guys? Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, how, how did I do on time? I like yeah. so, so we have about 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah. Um, so we can do some Q&As. Sure. Can we do some Q&As? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to pull up the pictures while we do the Q&A. So if you guys have questions, just go right ahead. Should we pass the mic around, Mike? Yeah, yeah, pass no the mic. Uh -huh. <laughs> we can just repeat the question. Or repeat, yeah. Yeah, so it's anastasia.foundation. That's the URL. That's literally the URL. It's, it's super long. I'm trying to buy anastasia.org. Um, yeah, super long. Okay. Uh, okay, so we can feel, depending on how intense the questions are, probably, you know, two, three, four, five questions. So, yes? Oh, I want to. It sounds really cool. I'd be interested to see how those work here because we're already doing things not like that exactly, but definitely community and what 
I want to know, because my wife and I were talking, I heard about these years ago, if she really is alive, like if Jesus was alive right now, yeah. I'd be hanging out and go, wow, that guy can do all these neat things, or the yeah. Buddha. Why are there no photos, no video, no nothing? Can't you just teleport and everybody would go, she's real, and then we'd all wake up. I don't understand I can why answer. we have to believe. So to your question, which is a very real and valid question, um, she lives like in the most remote part of Siberia that you can imagine. Nobody goes up there. There's no roads, there's nothing. You can only get there by river. No one even has a reason to go up there. It's unbelievably cold and remote. No reason to go up there. So her family has been there forever, and that's why you don't see her. She's super deep in No, I mean satellite. You can see satellite. everything on satellite. I mean, you can't see everything on satellite. You know what I mean? It's a super dense tree cover. It's the taiga. Yeah, Alex. That's also assuming that satellite imagery is uncorrupted. Yeah. yeah, they blur everything on Google Maps and all that stuff. So to find one single woman via satellite in the giant, endless Siberian taiga where nobody goes is kind of really difficult. The second, yeah, yeah you want to say yeah, something please. also, and I think this has been addressed on some of the forums and things, uh, and I, don't, I think Vladimir might have even addressed this, but she can literally block the satellite. Oh, like, for sure, no problem. Like she, she essentially can stop all technocratic forms of any sort of digital uh, technology from seeing her, from knowing where she's at. There's a great scene in book four or whatever, when the, the, I don't know if you talked about this, book three, yeah. when the Russian, uh, basically scientists tried to come with military to get her, and the blue orb came down and basically <laughs> put them into a sort of hellscape where yeah. they had to live in hell in the real world. For touching her. For touching her. They shot at her and, and she dematerialized the bullets, like melted them. Um, so anyway, you don't have to believe any of that, right? You don't. And so what she says herself is she says, I exist for those for whom I exist. And you can take it at that. But why can't she just give us a picture or video or something? Like, hey, here's where I am. Why, why does she need to? Well, it would make it a lot easier yeah. so we don't have to but believe. You we don't just know. You don't have to believe that she's real. You can just take what is attributed to her and what she said and feel that in your heart and see if that does something for you. If it does, it doesn't matter whether she's real or not to you. If the information is, yeah, all right, all right. Well, I just want to know what she said about that, why she didn't do it. She talks about it. She says it won't give faith to the unbelievers if, if she just appears. Miracles mean nothing to people who have no faith. So, yeah, okay, Real quick, and like on my presentation earlier, belief itself is not bad. Belief is not a bad thing. It's just important to distinguish between believing and knowing. What he Sorry said about here the is so important, that that's what he said to Christina, yeah. is that belief that orients us away from love and away from the Creator and back into more conditioning is bad. Whether or not this is true or not is irrelevant because it's orienting us as a belief. Yes, we're having to believe what he's saying. It's orienting us back towards the Creator, back towards love, back towards nature. Right. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, we got so, Russell with the question. I'm going to just flick through pay, uh, oh, yeah. photos while I do this. So, yeah. Russell. These are this is a real settlement in Russia. Yeah. Gabriel. Uh, yeah. Russia. Yeah. Anyway. Where are you, my right friend? Here. Right here. Right here. Hey, brother. Does, does this in line with water? Because obviously yeah. we're, we're thinking what's happening to Africa. And, and of course, Texas, and even here in, in California, sure. and so on. Where do you mention this, and how can we help? How can we help this situation if that's with the water? 
like yeah. the primary water she, stuff. She, yeah. she does say that we should only be drinking living waters. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. So, are you talking about like reforestation? So, like, so what does this mean, living water? Because living sure. water is within the earth as well as outside sure. of the earth, and it's just living. By the way, to the primary water point, she talks about our the Vedic uh, ancestors. She said they could pull up springs anywhere they wanted at will using their willpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, which and is water, very interesting. Water we call the container of consciousness, and so intention plays a role in water, obviously with the moto. And she does have a protocol. You want to share the protocol? Oh, you mean the living water thing? I mean, I feel like I'm not fully understanding the question though. Well, that's, that's it, because when you study water that's below the mantle, it's, it's alive. It's, right. It's, it's sitting, it's alive. Can you use the mic, Russ? It's alive. Yeah. Water is alive, and so, and it's the same thing in Russia. You can easily do that because you have living water. You, there is water there. Mm -hmm. uh, we did pollute the surface of the earth and so mm -hmm. on, but um, sure enough, if but the living water, which is below the mantle, as well as those two, elevations here and of course this is what we want to talk about if we could work together with this so we could you could do that quite easily yeah, yeah. Oh, okay or, or whatever whatever sure well, I yeah well, what i would say is what you said last night our consciousness is repelling that water our collective yes, you know absolutely. disease consciousness yeah. so this paradigm changes that form of thinking that conscious level which will attract the water that's what yeah. we're doing tonight. We're exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What do you cool. do if you have multiple children? What if you want to have a lot of children? And yeah. how will they inherit your land? Yeah. So basically, she talks about um, the ancient Vedic culture and what would happen when, like, the children would, you know, they would fall in love with, you know, a man or a woman or whatever. And they wouldn't all have, they would go and create their own domains from scratch. So, you know, the children would be born there, they would live there, maybe one of them would inherit it or a couple if they decided to stay, but they would go out and find somebody they love and create their own. Yeah, I, one point is that you don't think of the kin's domain as a homestead or a farm, it's more like a spaceship time machine. You know, and I'm not saying that to be joking. You know, you plant your ancestors, your dying elders, underneath a tree and so when that tree grows and fruits future generations know oh this peach is from great-grandmother great-grandfather and, right. and the interesting she says I exist for those for whom I exist so the question is whether she exists or not that's irrelevant it's what is the information from these books and how is it changing society how are people living yeah. when they read these books they do a 180 you know, people who've never had a, quote, spiritual, I don't even know what you say, a thought in their life, say, I'm going to go out and do this immediately. They get so inspired and they go and no one needs to tell them or force them or anything. They change their life and yeah. they're creating this in mass with no help. So it's like, does she exist? I don't know, but her consciousness and these ideas exist and people are changing, you know? Yeah, and there's many predictions. We don't have time to go into all of it because it's a short period of time, but she does make predictions in the books that have come true and are coming true. Yeah. And as far as the belief thing goes, it's more than belief, you know, belief is kind of a tunnel vision. You also have, the, have to have the emotion. You have to have the physical labor of it. There's, there's many uh, threads to weave this fabric. 
Yeah. Right. It's the results. It's the information. It's how you feel. It's how you decide to live your life after. So I hope this was inspiring for you guys. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you. Gabriel West. Awesome.